Well, this morning we are continuing our journey through the book of Jonah. We're into chapter three. This is our penultimate morning together, which I only found out a few years ago means like the one before the last. So tomorrow is our last day of new day. I know, I know. I wish we were here. I don't, because then... Excited to go home and feel clean and sleep well. But anyway, uh, it is our penultimate morning. And so we're into the third chapter of Jonah today. And so, so far, quick recap. We looked in on the first day in Jonah 1. Can you remember? Jonah was running from God. Anyone remember that? No. Jonah was running from God. Yesterday, we looked at how Jonah began to run to God. And today, we're going to see how Jonah starts to run for God. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. But we pick up the story in a really interesting place. Jonah is now out of the belly of the fish, which you think, you know, three days in the belly of the fish, what a horrendous experience that must have been. He's out. But I love the fact that it, it kind of ends him coming out of the belly of the fish with him being vomited out of the fish. So Jonah is now on land covered in fish vomit. Now, I don't think we've ever used fish vomit in Todd 14s. That could be a good idea. Note that down. It'll be a fun game to play one time. Fish vomit doesn't strike me as the most nice thing to be covered in. I mean, that feels like that would be quite an embarrassing moment for Jonah as he's kind of stood on the shore, caked in what I dread to think what that smells like and looks like, but he's there standing there. And we've all been there, haven't we? We've all had embarrassing moments. Just think back of some of the stories I've told you this week. My embarrassing moment would be me lying like on the ground, on the beach, desperate to hide uh, that which should be hidden uh, and trying to stay there. It's an embarrassing moment. Or as I got off of X No Way Out and I went home thinking, that is definitely not the ride I remember. And I went on their website and I read new and improved for whatever year we went. And they kind of changed it all. There's these things that you feel where you're, you can just feel really embarrassed about what has gone before. And I don't know what you do in those moments. And you're just feeling that, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish that thing hadn't happened to me. Normally what we do in those moments is we run away again, don't we? So you kind of feel like chapter three should be Jonah ran, Jonah ran from God, Jonah ran to God. Now he's covered in fish from it on the shore and so he ran away again. But that's not what we see. What we see today is there's something that happened in Jonah that means that he moves from being someone who's timid and fearful to being someone who's running hard after the things of God. And that's my prayer for you, New Day. So at the end of this week, many of us would go where we started the week timid to leaving this place bold for Jesus, running into all that he has for us. So Pete, come on up. You will remember yesterday we looked at the good news and the bad news. The bad news was before God, we were stained, unable to remove that. But in Jesus, Jesus took that stain away and has clothed us in his righteousness. So we are now able to stand before God confidently and boldly, knowing that he loves us. If we are in Christ, we're clothed in Christ's righteousness. That's the good news we saw yesterday. We saw people respond for the first time yesterday morning. We've seen that all week, people responding to this invitation of the gospel. But the amazing thing is this, that the good news doesn't even just end there. The good news isn't just that. God has taken away your stains and now has clothed you in righteousness. The good news continues. It says, not only are you a child of God who God loves and God accepts, but now God has plans and purposes for you to run into. And so just as Pete models for us that we have been cleansed by Jesus, he's also here to show us that we can run for God. Because if you're here today and you would call yourself a Christian, 
my encouragement to you is that you are going to be able to be someone. That as we leave this place, we're going to see in Jonah that he ran for God. And we're going to look at what that means. Thanks, Pete. And so uh, before we get into that, why don't we take a moment uh, and listen to Jonah chapter 3. So let's play uh, the scripture reading. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call it against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breath. Jonah began to go in the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So at last... Jonah has done which God has asked him to do. This is how it began in chapter 1. The word of God came to Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh, but he ran away to Tarshish. Now we see in this chapter, Jonah runs for God. He goes straight into Nineveh and he tells them the good news that he had received for himself. What I want to do this morning is just look at what does it entail? What does it involve to run for God? Now, I've noticed as the week has gone on, the number of runners around the site is definitely dropping off. I saw one this morning. On the first day, I reckon I saw at least 20 people who were up at like six, thinking, yeah, this is me this year at New Day, new me, new day, here I go, I'm off for my run, I am so fit, I am so energised, I'm ready for this amazing day. Today, everyone was asleep. There was no sound, the campsite was so quiet, it was incredible, it makes me laugh. Sometimes, with running, some of us, we're really good at the starting, we're not very good at continuing with running. Anyone here, anyone feel that? Yeah. Is there anyone here who likes running? Oh, wow. You guys are impressive. You can obviously tell from my physique that I'm not much of a runner um, in the way that I walk. Anyone here like walking? See, I don't understand you. I've got to be honest. I've got a bit of a reputation from where I'm from that I'm the man that doesn't really like walking. I walk, obviously, um, but I walk because I have to. Like, I need to get to somewhere and I'm too cheap and I care about the world too much that I will try to walk where I can walk. But I don't enjoy it. And what I find really interesting is when people tell me uh, that they enjoy walking, and I say to them, why do you enjoy walking? Do you know what often they say to me? I, re- I just really love going for a walk. You know, on a, on a Sunday afternoon, me and my family will go for a walk along the countryside and we'll walk to this place or that place. And basically, normally the reason they like walking is for wherever they're going to get to when they go walking. So I love the lunch that we have on our walk. I love where we stop and when we have our coffee or our Coke or whatever it is. I'm like, well, you don't like walking then, do you? You like the place that you go. Just go there. Why are we walking? Running and walking are one of these things that sometimes we can slip into an idea of either it doesn't sound very exciting for us or it's something that we'll start but we won't see through. And let's be honest, many of us, if we've been Christians for a while, we know that feeling, don't we? Of where we started with real enthusiasm. Like the runners of New Day. Day one. I'm going to run every morning. 
My alarm's going to go. I could hear, there was one alarm still going, it had been going off for about half an hour this morning. I could hear it. Whoever tent it was, they were clearly like sparkled out. They did not want to wake up in the morning. They're, they're eager to try, but sometimes it's hard to continue and to run in those things. And so as we start to think about the end of New Day and looking ahead, we've got to ask ourselves the question, what does it involve to run for God? What do we see in this story of Jonah? And there's three things I want to highlight today of, that I see. And the first is this. It's that in order for us to be able to run for God and actually run for God continually, my prayer for you is that this is not the end, but this is the beginning of a lifetime of running for God. That today we're not just talking about how do I run for God today? We're talking about how do I run for God for my entire life? How am I someone that continually and faithfully runs after the things of God? And the first thing we must ensure we grasp in order to do that is grace. Grace is essential for us to be able to run for God. And I love the way chapter three starts. Did you see it? It says here, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I mean, if I was God, I would have given up on Jonah after verses one and two of chapter one. You know, like, I've told you to go to Nineveh. You've run off to Tarsus. Right, forget you. Let's find someone else. Where are we going? But God doesn't. Jonah goes through everything he goes through. And then we see here, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God is the God of second chances. God is the God who will continually run after you, even when you run away from him. That word grace really means an undeserved gift. It's getting something that you don't deserve. And actually, in order for us to be able to run for God for our lives, we must ensure that we get the fact that the only reason we're able to run for him at all is because of him. Because of what he's done for us, because of how he saved us, because he's brought us into his plans and into his purposes. And so we see here, Jonah is someone who's grasping God's grace. How amazing must he have felt in that moment when he stood on the shore after being vomited out by the fish and God comes and speaks to him again and gives him again the same call that he gave him in chapter one. What a good God we worship. He's kind and he's loving. Some of us, we think that our failures and our sins will have the final word on who we are. Some of us, we've come to New Day this year and we know we have done things that we wouldn't dare tell anyone else about. And we think that is what defines us. That is our identity. Maybe some of us, we've had people that have spoken things over us our entire lives. You're a failure. You're useless. You're unwanted. You're a mistake. And we've carried that and we've put that upon ourselves and believe that that's true. What we see here at the start of chapter three of Jonah is this, that actually that's now not how God views you or I. God doesn't view us in that way. God sees you and he calls you again. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in the book of Hebrews. Uh, it's chapter 10, verse 17. And it just says this, talking about the Lord, it says, he chooses to remember our sins no more. I love that. God's not this forgetful old man in the sky that can't remember what happened yesterday. So, you know, it's a new day, so we can, we can hope that we can do well today because God's so old, he's forgotten what happened yesterday. He makes a choice to remember our sins no more, is what the scriptures tell us. And so grace means that we can be those that come confidently to run for God. Just as Jonah received the word of the Lord for the second time, God's coming to you again. Some of you, you know, you've been in these situations before. You've encountered God at these kind of moments. You felt determined as you thought about leaving New Day or going into whatever it was you were going into. This year's gonna be different. And then it hasn't been. And you've come back to New Day downcast and disappointed. You've come in timid, 
worried about what God's going to think or what God's going to say. And then you've encountered God's grace and God's kindness. And again, this year is going to be different. Friends, God is the God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. There's nothing you can do to stop God loving you. He loves you because he loves you if you're in Christ. And so there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more. There's nothing that we can do to make God love us less. That's what Jonah had discovered here as he receives this second call. And so my encouragement for us is let's start to think about life after New Day. Let's start to think about where is God calling us to run for him? What does God want us to do in our schools, with our friends, with our families, in our neighborhoods, in our villages, in our cities, in our towns? What is it that God wants us to do for him? Grace means that God will give you an undeserved gift. And it's not just that you're saved from your sin and your shame and your stains, but it also means that you are saved into purposes and plans that God has for you. And that's for every single one of us. God has plans and purposes for us. And so we see grace is the first thing we need. In order to run for God, we need to understand that God doesn't love us because we're running. We run because we have God's love. We're not trying to earn God's affection or God's approval. We're just running in the fact that we know that God loves us and God delights over us. It's what Jonah grasped in the belly of the fish. Wow, God, even in my times of distress, you hear my prayers. Even when I mess it up, you rescue me. You are a good God. So grace is really important. Secondly, we see Jonah models for us that we need to be those that understand that running for God means obedience. I love it. It tells us in the verses, Chapter 3, it says, Jonah, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Jonah obeyed God. He heard what God said and he did it. Now it took him, he had to go through quite a kind of traumatic journey to get to this point. But at this point, he hears God's word and he obeys. And actually, obedience isn't the most glamorous of words, is it? It's not in a 12 to 14, in any context, to be honest. When you start talking about obedience, it's a bit like, is this dog training? Is this what we're talking about? It's the kind of only word you kind of hear it in today. But actually, I think this is a really significant word for us. God calls us to be an obedient people. Just as Jonah has had to learn the hard way, that when God calls, you follow. So that's what God is speaking over you and I today. We're called to follow God into the difficult situations, into the uncomfortable situations, into the scary situations. We're called to follow him wherever he may be leading us. And actually, this is a supernatural work of God for us to be obedient to him. Everything in our nature draws us towards disobedience. You know what the Bible calls us? Sons and daughters of disobedience, We're outside of Jesus. We're just, our nature is like, we want to disobey. We want to do the wrong thing. We want to go in the different direction. That's just inhumanity. We are drawn to the magnet of disobedience and moving in that direction. But when you come and encounter Christ, when he removes those stains from your life and clothes you in his righteousness, the Bible tells us that you become a new creation. As a supernatural work of God that has occurred that means that actually you are no longer someone who is drawn to disobedience, but you can be someone who's drawn to obedience. You can be someone who's drawn to running into God's will and into God's plans. And so to run for God will involve sacrifice. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to go swimmingly well all of the time. Running for God isn't like this kind of, you suddenly have the magic touch 
that whatever you do now, it's all just going to be phenomenal and everyone's going to think you're brilliant. You're going to face real difficulties and challenges as you run for God. As God calls you in running for him to change the way that you are interacting with people. That actually that friendship group that you have, they're just drawing you towards disobedience. And so God's saying, you need to leave that and you need to start running for me. For some of us, it may be that God's saying, listen, for you to run for me, you need to lay down certain things. You need to stop looking at things. You need to stop acting in certain ways. There's a sacrifice that comes in following Jesus. There's a cost that comes. You know, Jesus said, anyone that wants to follow me, they need to pick up their cross and deny themselves. Following Jesus, it is the best thing you can do. It is the greatest privilege to be known by the God of the universe, to be accepted and know him and his love and his affection. But there is a cost that comes. Just as it costs Jesus everything on the cross, as we receive his love and his affection, as we run for him, friends, there's a cost that comes as we run in obedience to the things that God has for us. Some of us, we know God's been telling us to run for him in certain ways and we've been ignoring him. It's too scary. It's too big. It's too uncomfortable. It's too painful. I believe that God wants to just encourage us today. If he calls us, we follow. You now, in the kingdom of God, obedience is success. We live in a world and in an age that tells us that success is different things. Success is getting as much money as you can get. And if you have the most money of those around you, you are successful. Success is having a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And actually, that's where you will be seen as successful in your friendship group and in those around you if you've got that. Success is having the best job, the most power that you can have, the most followers on TikTok or Snapchat, whatever it is. We believe these things. Success is all of these things. Actually, the Bible tells us that success is just faithfully following Christ. Again, not the most glamorous thing, but it is hugely important for us to understand. This is what God wants for us. God wants us to be those that hear his voice and follow him. Obedience is important. But we also see in here that boldness is important. I love it. It tells us that Jonah, he hears from God and so he obeys and he follows God. And how does he do that? Well, it tells us that he goes to Nineveh and just as he was all in when he ran from God, do you remember that? He went down to Joppa, he found the boat, he paid the fare. Now Jonah's all in in running for God. Nineveh was a three-day walk through. That's commitment, isn't it? He, for three days, he's walking through that city, doing that which God has told him to do. But what I love is it says, as soon as he arrives in Nineveh, Jonah proclaims the word of the Lord. He's bold. What's happened to this guy? He was the guy that ran away and slept on a boat and got swallowed by a fish. And now suddenly he's walking into a city, as we looked at on that first day, that is known for its evil. And he's walking in confidently and boldly. Jonah suddenly has this boldness to speak about God. And it hasn't come from him finding the hero inside himself. This is what our age is telling us. That in order for you to be able to do that which you want to do, it's scary, it's overwhelming, you might not feel like you can do it. Just look deep within yourself and pull out from within that inner hero that's going to allow you to do whatever needs to be done. That's not what the Bible says. What the Bible tells us is that actually there is no inner hero in us. We are weak. We are fearful. We're easily led, as Joe spoke about on the first night. We're sheep that are stupid and are led astray. But actually when we come into Jesus, we suddenly find that he gives us boldness. The great story of this is of a guy called Peter, who was one of Jesus' best friends. 
When Jesus was on this earth, Peter was super confident. Jesus, I would, I'm going to do anything for you, Jesus. If you die, I'll die with you. I'm ready to go, Jesus. Wherever you go, we're going to go. And Jesus is like, Peter, listen, before you know, the rooster crows tonight, you're going to have denied me three times. He's like, no way. No way. I am all in, Jesus. I'm ready to go. And then we see that then the story continues and Jesus gets arrested and he gets taken before the courts. And he gets found guilty by a fake court that's made up things about Christ. And Jesus gets taken and beaten and stripped naked and mocked and humiliated. And he gets taken to the cross and he's nailed to the cross. And while that's all going on, it tells us about this guy, Peter, who has said, Jesus, I'm with you. I'll never deny you. I am for you forever. And he sat out in the courtyard where Jesus has been arrested and where it's all going on. And he sat by the fire warming his hands. And it tells us that some people notice him. Wait a minute. Aren't you, aren't you that guy, Peter? What, didn't you walk with Jesus? No, no, that's not me. That's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. Three times, aren't you? You were definitely, your, your accent is definitely Galilean. You're, you're definitely from the place that Jesus, no, no, no. I've never met this man before in my life. I swear to you, I don't know who this Jesus is. And the rooster crows. And it says, Peter runs off crying. But if you know the story, it doesn't end there. This is always the good news in the things of God. Whenever bad news comes, it doesn't end there. Because what we see is that Jesus rises from the dead and he goes and he sees Peter and he takes him for a walk. And he just says to him three times, Peter, do you love me? And he's like, yeah, of course I love you. Like, Peter, do you love me? Yes, yeah, I love you. No, but Peter, do you love me? Yes, I, why are you asking me? Because Jesus was lifting his head. And then we see that then the Holy Spirit is poured out on God's people in Acts chapter two. And we see that suddenly then thousands of people gather and who is it that stands up and proclaims the word of God? It's Peter. He's gone from being a timid, fearful man to being a bold, confident man. Not because he'd trained himself and found this hero inside, but because he'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. Actually, here we see Jonah's gone for a similar journey. He was a timid, fearful man, and suddenly he's filled with boldness to proclaim. Why? Because he'd encountered the grace of God, the love of God, the acceptance of God, and the calling and the purpose of God. And friends, that's for you and I. God wants us to be those that run for him, run in grace, run in obedience, and run in boldness. And what's really interesting in this, in this chapter is that as Jonah runs in those things, what happens is that blessings come. We're all like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. It's just as Stephen was walking around with the milkshake tickets. That's kind of what God does. When you run for God, all these blessings start raining and we're kind of catching them from the sky. Yes, a new car. Oh, yes, a new phone. Oh, yes, I really want an Xbox. That's not what we're talking about. They're not blessings. What's really interesting in this chapter is that the blessings that come in this chapter actually aren't for Jonah, they're for Nineveh. When we run for God, we will bless other people. And there's three main blessings that you see here. The first one is this, that actually they are blessed with being able to believe God. It tells us that Jonah goes in and he says to them what God had given him to say and it says they believed God. Some of us, as we run for God, we're going to help our friends believe God. As we start to live for God, as we start to say no to those things we know we need to say no to, as we start to change the way we speak and the way we act and the way we engage with others, actually we're going to be those that start to impact those around us with our words and with our example, helping them to believe God. We'll all have friends, won't we, who are disinterested in this. Maybe you try to invite your friend to New Day this year. Oh, it'd be great. And they're like, nah, I just don't care about it. Well, actually, if we give ourselves to running for God, Jonah shows us that the blessing is that we may help others believe God. 
We see also that the blessing of repentance comes their way. As Jonah starts to tell them, guys, there is some bad news as we looked at yesterday. You've got to take this seriously. It's far worse than you could imagine. But actually, if we start to live that out and run for God in our schools, with our friends, with our families, actually, we'll start to find that some of our friends begin to hear that and that start to change. Repentance is turning. It's, I'm, I'm living this way. I'm living for myself. I'm doing whatever I want. Oh, I encounter this truth and I turn and I start living this way. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to run for him and all that he has for me. But we also see there's the blessing of encounter. I love it. It says at the end that the Lord relented. The Lord had compassion on them. That as we run for God, we ourselves and those that we're running alongside and those that we're running who are in our kind of sphere of influence, actually they will encounter the grace and the goodness of God. And so today, as we think about running for God, as we consider the call of God over our lives, which isn't just that we've been saved from, but we've been saved into purpose and calling and being able to run. I want to encourage each of us. And actually, the Lord wants us to know that our ability to run, the speed in which we can run, the endurance in which we can have, the effectiveness in which we can have an impact in people's lives is not on you. The pressure's off. Often when we leave New Day, we start to put ourselves in this position of just, if I just try really hard, then God will use me. That's not what God's calling. God's saying this, relax, rest in Jesus, know his grace, be obedient to his call and be bold as you run for him. Let's stand together and pray for us. Just where you are, don't, don't start talking yet. Just close your eyes. I do that because it just helps me, otherwise I'll get really distracted. Um, and just think for a second. Across this week, many of us would have had moments where we know God spoke to us. It may have been for the first time, may have been for the hundredth time. But we know that God has spoken to us. What are we going to do with that? We want to be like Jonah in this moment. We want to be obedient to his call and bold as we go for him. But our hope in doing that is by lifting our eyes and looking to the king. Our hope in running is in God, his faithfulness and his goodness. And so Lord, I want to pray for us. Jesus, would you lift our eyes? Would you lift our eyes to you? Would you lift our eyes to the God who listens? Would you lift our eyes to the God who saves? Would you lift our eyes to the God of grace who comes to us, no matter what our failures are, no matter what our mistakes are, you come for us, you pursue us, you love us. You delight over us. Jesus, would you lift our eyes so that we would know you and who you are and we would know who we are in you. Jesus, would our confidence come in our identity in Christ as we begin to dream about running for you. Lord, we pray, lead us 
Wherever you want to lead us, we ask in your name. Amen.